Uh, the first one is this. I love this bit of our church service. Thank you for giving me the material. Uh, do Christians in other countries preach the same things as we do in Australia? I hadn't thought about that before. I mean, in one sense, the answer is, of course. We've got the one Bible and it's all over the whole world. It's the one message about the one same Lord of all. But it's also worth saying that different environments, different contexts in which gospel ministry happens may mean that what is focused on or the way in which it's said may differ from one place to another. For example, right now we are doing a nine-week series on the book of Judges. We could have done a nine-week series on the book of James. Now, why did we do Judges and not James? Uh, I, I just, as your, as your pastor, I thought, I just have a feeling that it might be a good thing at this time for us to look at the, the, how our sins are many, but his mercy is more, and to examine that in detail. Uh, so that's why we're doing that. It's a kind of a pastoral decision. The way in which we preach it and listen and learn and uh, the particular things that we need to preach against, the, the challenges and the temptations of living in New South Wales in this century or this, even this year and month, require a certain focus. So in that way, we are probably preaching something different in this church than even the church up the road, certainly in churches around the rest of the world. But at our heart, what are we preaching? We're preaching Christ in his word in the same Bible, the one true Lord of all. Question two, can people be healed or converted from homosexuality to being heterosexual? Uh, this is a controversial question, as uh, you might recognise from this. Uh, uh, I'm, let me start by making reference to a terrific local Christian ministry known as Liberty. Uh, if you want to find out more about this ministry, you go on the website to liberty.sydney. It's an interesting website, isn't it? Liberty.sydney. That will take you directly to their website. Um, they are a ministry that helps churches minister to people who are same-sex attracted and to those who have family and friends who are same-sex attracted. Uh, on their What We Believe page, they've got some fairly uh, brief but still very helpful teaching on this topic. The, the first thing they say is that the Bible condemns same-sex lust and same-sex sexual activity. That's what I mentioned last week. But not same-sex orientation. And I think that's right. Uh, that is not what it is that is condemned in the Bible. It is same-sex lust and same-sex sexual activity. So then, what do you do about this question about being converted or reorientated from having a same-sex desire? Well, this is what the website says, and I, I, I think I like what it says. It says, Nothing is said in the Bible about people losing their same-sex attractions when they believed in Christ. The passage, and it refers to 1 Corinthians 6, it speaks about a change of identity, which is about being washed clean from sin, consecrated to God, and established in a new relationship with God in Christ. It also indicates changes of behaviour, people who have abandoned patterns of life that alienated them from God. Then after that, it goes on to say that some with same-sex attraction testify to ending up in happy, sexually fulfilling heterosexual marriages. However, such an experience should not be our goal. Our goal is not heterosexuality, but rather being transformed by God into the image of Christ. 
Finally, it says that churches ought to be supportive of those in their midst who struggle with same-sex attractions or who have a same-sex attracted family member. Our goal is not orientation change, but for individuals to have a life-transforming, personal and growing relationship with Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of glory. Hopefully that answers your question. If you want to ask more, please follow up with another question. Question three, did God make us so that Jesus would die for us, all because he wanted Jesus to die? Well, in a sense, yes. Uh, God always intended Jesus to die for our sins so that in doing so he could glorify the Father. That is the most important thing in history. And it was never a mistake. You've heard me say this before. It's not like God says, oops. God never says, oops, as we know in the song we sing. It was always in the intention that Jesus would die and that in doing that, he and his son would receive the glory. Question four, how can you tell if God is working in someone else's life? There are lots of times in the Bible where it talks about fruit. Uh, it often talks about how when a tree is healthy, it will produce good fruit. Or if a tree is unhealthy, it will produce bad fruit. And it uses that same way of thinking to describe the Christian life. If a person is a follower of Jesus and they're reading God's word and his spirit is changing them and growing them, then to use this same analogy, they will bear good fruit. And you will tell by their fruit that they are a Christian and that they're growing and that God's working in their life. Uh, likewise, if a person says, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, but in fact they're not producing any fruit, they're not actually living out a lifestyle that is any different to anybody else, then it's clear that God is not working in that person's life to bring about that change because they're not listening to God. They're not obeying the word of God as they hear it through the Holy Spirit. How do you want to see if someone's working, has God working in their life? It's when you see growth. Question five, doesn't God get sick of having to forgive us all the time? Well, I don't know what God's feelings are on these things, but we do know in his word that he says that he won't stop forgiving us. And it's amazing, isn't it? Over and over again, we say sorry, and he says, I forgive you. But if we are really repentant, then every time we go back to God and say sorry again, we should feel bad about it. And then we should feel great relief when he says, I forgive you. We shouldn't go on sinning over and over again, like it's some sort of blank check. But the good news is that even if we do, God will still forgive us. Question six, do we have free will? Well, we have a genuine will, don't we? We all know that we make choices all the time. You decided whether you would come to church tonight or whether you'd stay at home. Uh, you, you were deciding tonight whether or not you're going to stay around for Leslie's super dinner or whether you're choosing to go home and bear the consequences of missing out. You, you, are, you are full of, you have choices throughout your life. Uh, God is in control of absolutely everything. And that, of course, includes our salvation. You know, you know, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know that you've chosen to follow him. People could say, oh, that wasn't your choice. It's like, really? It was my choice. And I know I made the right choice. And I know that I'm in a relationship with God because I chose to follow Jesus. You can see, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. But at the same time, we can say, thank you, Lord, for choosing me and leading me to Christ. 
Uh, Acts chapter 13, 48 seems to have both of them in the one verse. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honoured the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. It's in the same few words from each other. All that the Lord had appointed that that's the one who will become a Christian, they made the choice to believe in Jesus. It's all there together. If you want to be a follower of Jesus and you're not yet one, then just believe and God will say, I accept you, I forgive you and you are my child. All, if you want, all who want to come to him will be accepted in that way. He won't stop you. So the question then is, do we have free will? Well, we do not have a will that is independent from God. It's not that we could choose to do something that is outside God's will, outside God's plan, that he looks down and says, oops, I expected them all to go to dinner tonight and not to walk away. You know, it's not like he's going to say, I am not in control. He's completely in control. That's why we can pray for things to happen. And that's why we can give thanks to God for what he has done in our life and in other areas of the world. Uh, is that, at the same time, what we could call a free will? We have a good will and we have a real will, a genuine will, but it is not a will that is free and independent of God's will. Finally, did Gideon crush Zeb in a wine press? I don't know. We know that Zeb, in Judges chapter 7, verse 25, was killed at the wine press. Uh, perhaps the person who asked this question might have a fairly graphic uh, sort of imagination of exactly how that event may have happened, that this man who was actively against God's people may well have died. Uh, it is conceivable, but we are unsure about that. Thank you for your questions. I have seven more for next week. If you want to add to them or maybe give me some that I might add to yours instead of those ones or whatever, ask away.